Well, good morning, Central Heights. It's great to be here with you this morning. My name is, is David, and I'm the Young Adults Pastor here at the church, and we are in a series called The Better Way. Check. There we go. We're good. Okay, we're in a series called The Better Way, and for the last uh, few months or weeks, we've been tracking through this message Jesus gave to a crowd of people that had gathered around this hill over 2,000 years ago. On a day in history, Jesus sat down and he started speaking into the lives of people, meeting them where they were at. And when Jesus opened his mouth that day and he began teaching, he opened up this, this whole new world to the people that were there that day. If you put yourself in the shoes of the people there that day, they sat there and as they listened to Jesus teach, as Jesus opened up the way of God to them, uh, everything that Jesus was saying ran against the things that they had been taught as they had grown up, the, the things that were their normal. Jesus opens his mouth and opens up this better way. All their lives they had been taught, this is how you view the world. This is how you live in it. This is what it means to be human. This is who God is. This is how you connect to him and relate to him and receive life from him. They had been taught, this is how you see people. This is how you treat them and relate to them. This is how you practice their faith. And so they're sitting there, they're, they're hearing Jesus teach this, and Jesus comes along and he flips everything they had taught upside down. He teaches them this message that runs against the grain of, of what they had been taught their entire lives. He turns it upside down, and in doing so, Jesus casts a different vision for how to live in this world, how to be human in this world, he casts this vision to live differently and be differently in this world as people of the kingdom, as people living under the rule and reign of God. Jesus flips it all around and he casts this vision for a better way. And so this message that we've been looking at, the Sermon on the Mount, is this message about the kingdom of God for the people of God, people who are in relationship with God, who are connected to him and who want to, to follow him in this world and the everyday stuff of their lives. And this message, it's compelling, it's countercultural, it's relevant, it meets us right in the everyday real stuff of our lives, the, the mundane, the ordinary, the stuff that we think is only, is disconnected from life and faith in Jesus. Jesus brings this message right into the everyday stuff of our lives and he offers us a better way. He offered the people there that day a better way. And I love Jesus' message because he spoke it on a day in history and it was relevant to them and over 2,000 years later, he is going to, he's speaking the same message to us and it's still relevant, it's still compelling, it's still countercultural counter and it still offers us a better way to be human, to be in this world than anything else we see anywhere else. And that's good news, especially when it comes to what Jesus is gonna talk about today. Um, in this passage we're looking at, Jesus is going to meet us in one of the greatest struggles that we are seeing in the world around us, that we are feeling inside. He's going to meet us in our anxieties, in our fear, in our worry, in the darkness, in the things that keep us up at night, in the things that cause us to, 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 to dwell and run on a, on a treadmill. Jesus is going to meet us in that, and he is going to offer us something more than a life that is ruled by anxiety and worry and fear. And so if you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and grab it. We are in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34 this morning. We are picking up right where we left off last week. And, and just as a primer to set us up as for what we're going to enter into, last week Jesus has talked about the temptation to make our life about money 
and material things instead of God and God's ways. That's what we looked at last week is that there's this temptation for us in this world to look to money, to the things of this world, to to provide for us what we think we need, what we know we need, security, a sense of safety, freedom from fear, all those things that are, are very real worries and very good human desires. Jesus was talking last week about this temptation to to take money and material things and put them in the place that God alone is meant to occupy. And he said, there's this temptation. You have to be aware of that. He says two things. Don't make the primary aim of your life accumulating worldly things. Don't make your life about gathering what you can get, storing up money in your bank account. He's like, don't make your life all about that things that you can't take with you beyond death, things that are here, that are created by God. He says, don't make your life about things. He said, instead, make the primary aim of your life heavenly things, the things of God, things that uh, connect with God's heart, things that will last beyond death, things that will outlast this world. Jesus says, don't make the worldly things your primary aim. Make the things of God your primary aim. Why? In our text, he says, because life is about more than money and material things. And that's what we see Jesus get right into in verse 25. Look at there with me now. He says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about, <clears throat> about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And so right here, Jesus is saying, if the theme song of your life is the same theme song as the reality TV show, The Apprentice, do you guys know that song? Money, 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 money. Now you see why I'm not on the worship team. I don't sing very well, but I said I'm going to do it. If Jesus says if money, 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 material things, material things is the soundtrack of your life, then you need a new soundtrack. It's the wrong soundtrack. You're living for a lesser soundtrack. You're living for something lesser when so much more is offered to you. He's saying, don't make your life about the anxious pursuit of material things. There's more to life beyond that. And Jesus is going to get into that life beyond a little bit later. But first, he wants to talk about anxiety and how we can make our lives about less when Jesus offers us so much more. And if you notice in verse 25, the first thing Jesus really does is he says there's this connection between our pursuit of material things and our anxiety. That there is this connection between those things that we pursue in this world, money, toys, possessions, and the anxiety and worry we feel. He's telling us that anxiety and worry get stirred up when we make something or someone other than God ultimate in our lives. When we put something or someone and we elevate it into a place that only God is meant to occupy, Jesus is talking about this this exchange that often happens that goes back all the way to the beginning of time with our first parents, Adam and Eve. God says, this is where I belong. This is the life that I created you to live. This is the better way. And Adam and Eve took that and exchanged it for something else. And everything that has happened, all the brokenness in the world is traced back to the exchange of the creator for the created. And that's what Jesus is laying out here is that when we elevate a good thing that God created and make it ultimate, putting it in the place that God alone is meant to occupy, it stirs up anxiety and worry in us. It, it eventually will lead there because we're looking for that thing to give us what only God can give us. And so there's this connection between material things and our anxiety. Jesus says this exchange can cause anxiety and worry to rise because we're trying to find contentment, satisfaction, hope, meaning, purpose, security, freedom from fear in these things that were never meant to give us those. 
I love Paul Tripp's perspective. He's an author and a pastor on this. He says, you should never feel guilty for pursuing, participating in, and enjoying the pleasures of the material world God created. What you and I need to guard against is allowing awe of those pleasures to become the principal motivator of our hearts. When awe of material things rules your heart, then you will live for material things. And when you live for material things, you will do just about anything to gain them, maintain them, keep them, and enjoy them. I love that. Because what Paul Tripp is saying is that God in his goodness has given us good gifts, good things, material things. He's created beautiful fruit in many varieties with many colors to eat. He's given us beautiful sunsets and mountains. He's created different versions of people. He's created all these different things, and those are good things. He's saying that there's nothing wrong with us enjoying those things. There's nothing wrong with us looking to those things because God gave them for our pleasure and for our good, but they were never meant to take the place of God. And when they do, it puts us on this treadmill of anxiety and worry because we're looking to and trusting in something to give us what only God can give us. And living this way on the treadmill of anxiety and worry and the anxious quest to accumulate things to give us what only God can give us is, a, is rough. I know, it's, I know it's rough because it's my story. See, I'm not sitting here, up to, here today saying, look, like you need to get things figured out. I'm telling this to myself first because since I was a teenager, I've battled anxiety and worry. I've been in a fight since that day that I, like, if I could be about 14, 13, 14 years old. It's been a long fight. I'm in it. I'm wrestling with it. Sometimes it cripples me. Sometimes it feels like I'm, this is all I'm ever going to know, that this is my normal. See, I may look really calm up here, but my mom actually calls me a duck. Um, it's an affectionate way to say I look really calm and relaxed up front and, and, and in front of people, but underneath, my feet are going a mile a minute. Like the duck's feet are swimming. Underneath the surface, I'm anxious. I'm going. I'm moving 100 miles an hour. My mom calls me a, a duck. She's like, that's what you look like. You look so calm and confident on the outside, but underneath, she knows me, and it's, it's a different story. Many of us are like that. Underneath, underneath, things are, 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 are stirring, things are not settled, things are, are windy, things are wavy, there's turmoil in our inner worlds, and we're living like that. And I'm here to tell you, me too, I get it, I'm in this fight with you, I'm walking with you, and Jesus is leading us to something more, because yes, I'm in a fight with my worries, yes, I'm in a fight with my anxieties, but they do not define me, and they don't define you, Jesus does. He's setting me free. He's willing to set you free. And he wants to show us that beyond anxiety, there is more. Beyond this life of worry and fear, there is more. And he's showing us in this text today that that's what he wants. He wants more for us. And so look again at verse 25. He says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, Jesus says that there's this connection between what you make ultimate and the anxiety you experience. Then he says there is a life beyond anxiety and the quest for material things. And that's a big statement from Jesus. Do not be anxious about your life. I don't know about you, but my first response is, are you serious, Jesus? 
Are you really trying to tell me that there is something that, there's a life out there that I can actually have where I don't feel anxious, I don't feel worried, I don't lay awake at night feeling like I'm going to never fall asleep because tomorrow is stirring in my head or two days from now is stirring in my head. Are you telling me, Jesus, that there's actually a way to have that kind of life? Come on, Jesus, you have to be kidding. Jesus' answer is, yes, I am do believe that there's a life beyond anxiety and fear and worry and doubt and questions and laying awake at night. I believe it, Jesus says, and I'm telling you it's possible with me. I'm telling you it's possible with me, Jesus says. And I love this because it gives me hope because with Jesus, I can live this life. I can actually have non-anxious Dave over my life. I can actually get there. There will be a day with Jesus' help where I can reach that And I also love this because Jesus just normalizes anxiety. He does. He makes it common with the human experience. He says that, well, he doesn't pretend that anxiety is not an issue. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't sweep it under the rug and pretend it doesn't exist. He actually points out the obvious is that fear and anxiety and worry are a part of the human experience. In some way, at some time, in different ways, whether it's chemical, biological, situational, Something's happened in your life and it's marked you in a certain way and it's made you believe things about yourself that aren't true but it causes anxiety. Whatever it is, Jesus is saying that this worry and anxiety issue touches all of our lives in some way at some time. And he just normalizes. He doesn't pretend it doesn't exist. I love that because we will worry about our kids, our jobs, our grades at school. We will worry about our future There'll be times when we'll worry about our marriage, our retirement, our health, the health of those we love. We will feel anxious about our bank accounts, how we'll pay our bills or or get our kids to college. We will be afraid of failure, of not being accepted, of not being liked for who we are. We will be afraid of the outcome of that meeting or that something that's coming down the pike in in a week or two. And we will be afraid of things like spiders because I know I am. Like there's things that we're going to be afraid of. There's things that we're going to be worried about. And Jesus knew this. He knew this, and so he didn't pretend like it wasn't an issue, but he speaks right into it and says, there's more. There's more. There's something beyond your experience here and now, and I want to give it to you, and I'm going to make a way for it to happen. That's what Jesus is leading us to, and you know what? He was right, because those people that he's speaking to that day on that hill, they were afraid of where their next meal was going to come from. They were afraid of how they were going to clothe themselves. There was very real issues that they were facing. And so our issues, our anxieties and fears may not be connected to what are we going to eat tonight. They may be, but, it, but chances are on the, on the broad scope, that's not really what causes us anxiety. It's all these other things of life. See, we live in an anxious age. Today, anxiety is one of the biggest issues plaguing people's lives. The number one mental health issue in the United States is anxiety. The most common mental health issue in Canada, along with mood disorder, disorders, is anxiety. Studies show us how big this issue is. In 2017, the National Alliance on Mental Health uh, took a survey and it said an estimated 40 million adults in the US, about 18%, have an anxiety disorder. A survey of college counseling centers in the US by the Center for Collegiate Mental Health at Penn State found that anxiety and depression in that order are the most common mental health diagnoses among college students. In Canada, the Sun Life Canadian Health Index did a survey and they found that 90% of 18 to 24 year olds are experiencing excessive stress and that 72% of adult Canadians are feeling overwhelmed. 
Another study found that a staggering 63% of Canadian millennials, which is in ages 18 to 30, which is the age group I work with, are at a high risk for mental health issues. And this finding was connected to suicide rising in its prominence to the number two cause of death in this age group, second only to accidental deaths. So this issue is real. We live in an anxious age. It's a hard reality, and anxiety and worry is crippling people's lives. And for many of us, this is our story. We're living this right now. We're in a season where we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's dark. It's tough. But Jesus is telling us anxiety does not have to rule your life. There is more. Beyond anxiety, there is more. And we really need to hear that. We really need to, to stop and, and, and listen to Jesus when he says that you do not need to be anxious about your life. There's a way to live your life where anxiety doesn't rule it, where worry doesn't keep you up at night. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, when Jesus says this, he's saying that life is about more than worrying about the food you will eat, even though that's important. He's saying it's more than the clothes that you wear, even though that matters. He's saying making your life about material things and experiencing the anxiety that comes from that is living for something less when you are being offered so much more. It's not life more than the stuff you're chasing. It's not life more than the money in your bank account. Jesus is saying you might think that, there, that this is all there is. This, you might be sitting here today and, and thinking, I'm in a prison of anxiety. I'm worried, and this is all there is. And Jesus is telling you, no, it's not. This is not all there is. There's more. You can move beyond that. But to get there means you have to shift your gaze to something else. Look at verse 26. Jesus says this. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, of, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And so you notice what Jesus is doing is he's asking the people listening there to shift their gaze from what they're looking at to something else. He says, look at the birds, look at the flowers, look at the grass. He's asking them to shift their gaze. And that, that's the key here that Jesus is putting out before us, that to move beyond anxiety, you've got to shift your gaze to two really important things. First, to know who you are to God and to know who God is. So that if you can shift your gaze to, and, and fix your eyes on these two things, these two anchors, he's like, you can move beyond anxiety to more. Two anchors to help us do that. First, he says, know who you are to God. And you see that when Jesus, he, he gives us these two examples of birds and flowers. And after both examples, he makes a value statement about us, about humans. In verse 26, he says, are you not of more value than birds? And then in verse 30, he says, if God so clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you? And so Jesus is driving home this point. He's, he's saying that you are more valuable in God's eyes than anything else he's created. Humans are more valuable to God than birds, than, than, than flowers, than anything else in all creation. Only humans are created in the image and likeness of God. Only humans uh, have that uh, inherent dignity and value because they bear the image of God. He's saying, 
in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, every single time he created something, he said, and it was good. But humans are the only thing that God speaks over their life. This is very good. The only time it happens is that very good gets spoken is when God looks into at what he created in Adam and Eve and he says, that's very good. It's the only time it happens. Only humans had that spoken over them. Only humans have inherent and infinite value from creation. In God's eyes, you need to hear this, you are worth dying for. In John 3.16, the most famous probably Bible verse, it says that God so loved the world. And when he says that word in the original language, world means people, the people who, who live, make up the world. It's that like God so loved people that he sent his only son to die for them so they might experience everlasting life. You are worth dying for. God loves you enough to go to the cross and rise again so you could have something more. And so Jesus' point is that if God provides for the birds and cares for flowers and grass, how much more will he provide and care for you? And so Jesus wants us to see who we are in God's eyes, to, to, to know in our hearts how valuable we are to him so that we can then move beyond that worry, that wonder, am I enough? Am I, do I have what it takes? He wants us to move past that. And when you start seeing yourself as God sees you, things start to change. When your identity is rooted in who God says you are, not in what you have or what you can accumulate or what you can accomplish or what you do or don't do, when that happens, there's a peace that just washes over you. It's almost unexplainable. Worries fade, peace comes. And so the first anchor Jesus points us to here to move beyond anxiety is know who you are in God's eyes. The second anchor is know who God is. I love what Louis Giglio says. He says, there's a way to overcome anxiety We can live free from the grip of anxiety, and the key to becoming free is not a plan, but a person. And so Jesus makes this this point here when he points our eyes to, to God twice in this passage, and he calls God a heavenly father. Twice he says that. He says, God is a father. This is who God is. Jesus wants us to see here that God is a father that that's who he is, that, that the Bible reveals it, that the way that God reveals himself is that he is a father who loves his kids. Michael Reeves, in his, in his amazing book, Delighting in the Trinity, I'd highly recommend it, says, the most foundational thing about God is the fact that he is a father. From front to back, God has revealed himself as a father who treats us as his kids. He goes on to say this, since God is before all things a father and not primarily creator or ruler, all his ways are beautifully fatherly. It is not that this God does being a father as a day job only to kick back in the evening as plain old God. It is not that he has a nice blob of fatherly icing on top. He is father all the way down. Thus, all that he does, he does as a father. That is who he is. He creates as a father and he rules as a father. And that means the way he rules over creation, the way he rules over us, is most unlike the way any other God would rule over his creation. And so when God looks at you, he looks on you as a father who looks on his child. When God relates to you, he relates to you as a father who relates to his kids. God is a father. And Jesus also says that he is a father who knows what we need and wants to provide it. We see that in verse 32. Now you just need to stop and think about that for a moment. The creator of the universe, the eternal, heavenly, infinite, all-powerful God cares about you, and he knows what you need before you even are aware you need it. You just got to stop and sit in that reality because that is a mind-blowing, beautiful reality. 
It's not foreign to him what you're going through. It's, he's not guessing or racking his brain. What, is this, what, do you, what does this child of mine need? What do they need? It's not foreign to him. He's not sitting there wringing his hand. He knows what you need. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you need to get out of that place that you are currently in. And so what is your great need, greatest need right now? What are you facing in your life? What fears are you carrying? What's keeping you up at night? Where do you need God to come through? Where do you need God to show up? Whatever it is, God knows. And he wants to provide for you in that, and he is capable of doing it. Is it hard to get? Is that hard to, to get your head wrapped around? Well, listen to this. In this letter that Paul wrote to a church in Rome, he says these amazing words. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, with Jesus, graciously give us all things? That is, that is a mind-blowing verse because it's telling us that God is a father who is for us, that he's in our corner, that he's given us his best in Jesus, that he's already given us the most important thing to him, the thing that was most precious to him, his son. He's given him to, he didn't hold him back. He, he gave us all we'll ever need in Jesus. He committed to us, and he's committed to graciously give you and I all that we need. He held nothing back then on the cross, and he will hold nothing back now. If he came through ultimately with Jesus, he will come through in the details of your life. He will come through in those moments when you need him to. He is for you. I remember this one time, I think it was a couple, about a year and a half ago, we were in, Catherine and I, we were, we were, money was tight. Money was tight. And I remember, I remember being really tense about that because I felt like my job as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a husband and as a father was to provide for my family, to put food on their table, and I felt like I couldn't do it. And so it was really tough for me. And, and in one of my better moments as a human being, I actually was driving to work one day and I cried out to God and I said, God, please help us. Please. I said, I don't know how we're going to pay our bills this month. We're not, we're not in dire straits. We're not going to go hungry, but God, I'm feeling, the, I'm feeling it right now, and I need you to show up, please. Can you please provide for us? I trust you to do that. And so I drove for the next 20 minutes, and I showed up at the office, and I went to my mailbox, and there was this anonymous letter in my, in my mailbox. And I was like, that's kind of strange. And so I opened it up, and inside that, there was nothing else other than a $50 gas card and a $100 gift card to go to a grocery store. God provided. He knew what I need before I even prayed. If you think about that, before I ever prayed, so that envelope could be in my mailbox on the day when I was going to pray that, he knew that he had to work beforehand, and so he put it on some kind soul that had the means to actually go and get these gift cards, put money on them, bring them to the church, and put it in my mailbox at some point before I actually prayed that prayer. That was already done, so that when I showed up on that day, I would have something that I needed. That's how good God is. He provides. He doesn't promise to make us prosperous. He doesn't promise to make our life easy, but he does promise to take care of us. He does promise to provide the things that we need. And what Jesus wants us to see here is that God is a father who knows what you need. He wants to provide it, and he is capable of providing it. And the question is, do you believe that? Can you actually trust that? 
with whatever you're facing, with whatever it is that's going on inside of you, with whatever your situation is, do you believe that God will take care of you? Can you get to a place where you stop trying to control outcomes and manage things and trust him to come through for you? Can you get there? It helps when, when you see your value to God and when you see that God is a father who provides. When you shift your gaze, when you look up, when you start to dwell on the, on the beauty of who God has revealed himself to be, it helps you get to a place where you might actually want to trust him and, and believe that he wants to come through for you as your father. And when we can start to do that, when our gaze starts to move, when our gaze starts to get there, when we start to trust our father to provide for us, we can move to the other side of wherever we're at with our worry and our anxiety, and that's where the more is found that Jesus wants for us. Look at verse 31. Jesus says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And so what Jesus is saying is like, if all this is true, if there's more to life than anxiety and accumulating material things, if there's more, if we are more valuable to God than anything else in all creation, if God is a Father who knows what you need, who wants to provide it, and is capable of providing it, then anxiety and fear doesn't have to rule your life then our lives don't have to be brought small and, and locked up by this prison of fear or worry or, or, or depression or whatever it is. We can move beyond this, Jesus is saying. And when we do, it actually frees us up to live for something that has ultimate importance. We can actually be free to pour ourselves into the things that he talks about. In verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble. And so Jesus has been leading us here this whole time. Everything he said about anxiety and materialism and, and life in us has led to this better way, a life on the other side of anxiety and a life on the other side of worry. And he lays that out in verse 33. He says, before anything else in your life, Seek the kingship of God in God's way. Seek God's kingship means to resolve to live your whole life under the rule of God in God's kingdom. Live under his direction. Live under his leadership. Let him be the one that gives you cues about who you are and how to live. It's living for him above all else. It's, it's surrendering all to him. It's holding nothing back. It's being willing to lay everything and anything at his feet and saying, God, I'm yours and I'm all in to live for you and your kingship because you are my king. And then it's seeking to live God's way, which is the way of righteousness. This is the distinctive life of a follower of Jesus. It's practicing and living out God's ways in this world. It's, it's letting God shape you and, and change you from the inside out to live more and more like Jesus, to, to live in line with the ways that he says are right, good, true, and best. And so Jesus is saying, before anything else, make your life about this. Before anything else, it comes before anything else. This is what's ultimate. Live under God's rule. Live for God's way. Pursue that before anything. And guess what he says? All these things what are all these things? All the material things, all the things you worry about, all the money, all the, all the stuff that we chase after trying to accumulate because we think it's going to help us. He's saying all that stuff, all the things you need to make it through life, God will provide it for you. He will come through. You don't have to worry about it. All these things, God will add to your life. He will download them into your life. He will provide for you in whatever it is you're facing. 
Can you just imagine what that would be like to live free of fear, a life beyond worry, a life beyond the anxious quest for stuff, a life of freedom, a life set free to live for the greater things, to help people know Jesus, to see God change people's destinies and lives, to go and help, instead of being worried about what I'm going to wear today, but actually going and clothing someone who has no clothing or going and feeding someone who can't provide for themselves. This is what Jesus is calling us to. He's saying, you know what? You can be there to care for the anxious and fearful, to comfort the broken and hurting. You can do that. This is a better way to spend your life, not locked up with anxiety and fear, but you can pour yourself into more, into the greater things. And I would ask you, would moving beyond anxiety be better? Is it worth the, the struggle to look at your stuff? I would say it would. I would say it would. And so how do we move beyond anxiety? How do we get to that other side? Well, I think there's three things that can really help us. The first is to move beyond anxiety, we need to look deep. See, anxiety is not an issue where you can just stay at the surface. It's complex. It's, 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 it's a, it's a symptom, symptom of something much deeper. You can't stay at the surface and overcome anxiety. You must look deep. You must go down deep into the root of what is causing you to feel worried. And so what we need to know is that anxiety is always a symptom of a deeper cause. It's not a, anxiety is not a cause, it's actually a symptom. It's caused by something. And so we need to, to look deep into our lives and be honest with ourselves. We need to ask questions like, what do I worry about? What consumes my thoughts and gives me angst? What keeps me awake at night? What keeps me from focusing on the more important things? Who or what is pulling at my peace of mind? What situation or outcome is making me feel like I need to control things? So we need to ask those questions. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to go deep into the mess and invite Jesus there because that's where the freedom is going to be found. And so the first thing we need to do to move beyond anxiety is to look deep and then we need to look up. We need to ask and remind ourselves daily, even multiple times throughout the day, who is God and what is he like? Remember that God is a father who provides for his kids. He's for us and he holds nothing back from us. Remember Psalm 23 that we have a shepherd in Jesus and when we have him as our shepherd, when he leads our life, we shall not want. It means we will lack nothing. Jesus is willing to come into our anxiety and fear to lead us out. He's willing to walk with you and provide for you and provide for you in the toughest of times. With Jesus as your shepherd, you, you will lack nothing that you need. And so when we look up and we call on the name of Jesus and we remember that he is a good shepherd and that we have a good father in heaven, and that they come and walk with us and provide for us in our fear, we can move beyond anxiety. So look up, church. God is for you, and he will provide everything you need, and you need to look up and remember that. And finally, you need to embrace the process. See, this is a process. This isn't something where it's just going to happen overnight. It's not something that's going to happen in even a year or maybe two years. This is a process It will take time to move beyond anxiety into the more God has for you. It will take reordering your life. It will take letting go of some things to take hold of what God wants for you. It will mean feeling uncomfortable and and easy as God helps you create a new normal. And it might mean going to counseling or taking medication. That is not uh, a bad thing. It's part of God's common grace. It might mean that you need that kind of help. And it might mean being honest with others about your fight, bringing your struggle into the light so it doesn't have power over you anymore. And so this is a process, but there's hope. God knows your struggle. He knows what you need, and he wants to give you what you need so you can move beyond anxiety to more. So look deep, look up, and embrace the process. You have someone who is for you and who wants to lead you into more. It's possible with Jesus. Let's pray. 
God, I love you so much. And I'm so struck by this reality that, that uh, you know me deeply. You know the fight I'm in. You know the struggles I face. You know the struggles we face, the burdens we carry, the things that are weighing us down, and that you actually care about those things. And I pray that you would speak that over people's lives here and now as we, as we sit in the silence, as we pray, as we continue to worship, that you would remind us that you want more for us than a quest to pursue material things, that you want more for us than a life of anxiety and worry. And so I pray, God, that you would help people see you for who you are as a good and loving father who takes care of his kids. I pray that you would help people see Jesus as the one who brings freedom and the one who made a way for us to live as God's kids, free from fear, knowing that we will be taken care of. And I pray that you'd help people surrender, God, to the work of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you would speak truth to us and change us to believe what is spoken to us and that you would empower us to live free from the grip of fear, anxiety, and worry. Would you do that, God, in us? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.